Welcome back to Everything is Public Health. This is a show about how everything is public health and public health is for everyone. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. Were you a curious kid when you were young? Oh, for sure. Yeah. What sort of weird questions or inquiries did you get into? Um, Maybe less about like questions or inquiries very specifically, but I was so fascinated by how things work. Mm, mm-hmm. And when I was a kid... There was literally a book series that was made for kids called How Things Work, and it would explain the history. I had these huge books that would explain like how the wheel was invented and or like how pulleys work and all this kind of stuff. And I would just sit and read this and I would take stuff apart, much to my dad's frustration sometimes because I didn't always put it back together right. But yeah, it's a lot easier to take things apart than it is to put things back together. (laughs) (laughs) It can be for sure. So yeah, I was definitely curious. And I think I've always stayed curious. That's why I think I do what I do now because I want to figure out how can we find ways to make people safer, healthier, make communities improved, et cetera, because sort of how do we achieve a thing is still like really interesting. How about you? Yeah, I feel like most people who go into this sort of work, they have to be like what you described, like a book kid or a curious kid growing up. I definitely was. And one of the questions that I I had and I feel like a lot of kids have too, is where does all the poop go <laughs> when you flush a toilet? I didn't, I never, where does I it never go? wondered that. You never thought, <laughs> I can't be the only kid. I was like, I wonder where this goes. No, you're probably not the only kid, but I definitely didn't. You never wonder how the toilet works? I did wonder why the water swirled in a particular direction. Wow, you, you were interested in a very different thing about the toilet. I mean, to be totally honest, it is entirely possible that that was something I was curious about before, like I... But you forgot about it, yeah, right? You know, maybe I was... That that was something that was a younger curiosity, but I, I don't have a firm recollection of wondering where the poop goes. But I, I feel like it's a very common curiosity for kids sure. to have. It's yeah. like it just disappears. Like it just goes away and you're like, where does all the poop go? And that's going to be the focus of this episode, which we're going to talk about where indeed does the poop go. And there's so many things that we take for granted. One of those things that we take for granted is plumbing. I can't even imagine what it's like to not have plumbing or a sewage, you know, like before. Have you never gone camping? Yeah, but that was like a temporary thing. You know, you're not, I'm not camping all year long. You know, I'm camping for like days at a time and there are ways to manage it. And also when you go camping, I don't do backpacking. I don't do like truly outdoor camping. So there's like an outhouse or there's like, you know, if we go to like a fancy national park, there's like an actual toilet I've never been like backpacking, backpacking where there's nothing. Yeah, I think I've mentioned before, we have a bunch of property in eastern Washington state and there's nothing. (laughs) We would go spend a week or longer and yeah, no, no toilets, no running water. We had to sort of pack in, pack out. See, like as individuals, you can do that. But it becomes a challenge when you have like sure. a hundred million or a hundred thousand yeah. people living together in the same place. And to thinking about the days before there's like indoor plumbing and sewage, no wonder people get sick all the time because everything must be just covered in poop. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, there's gutters, right? Originally yeah. were, you know, for the poop and whatever, everything yeah, and from the chamber go? pot Nowhere. to go. Yeah. <laughs> they just gather together. And then do, actually, uh, this is a bit of a trivia. Like, do you know how people get rid of it before there was indoor plumbing? Um, do you mean where it went or how people actually got it out of the room? Well, no. So they got out of the room and usually they'll just put it in like a pit 
or privy or whatever. Uh-huh. But do you know how they empty it? I don't think I'm understanding your question. So why don't you just tell me? Okay. So obviously they will get to a point where whatever pit that they were using is full. Uh-huh. It used to be, we'll just dig another pit. But eventually in a city, it was like, well, we have to empty it somehow. So it became a booming business. They're called like night soil men. And they would like ride in at night because it's like not polite for the rest of the society to see where they would just have carts of empty barrels and they would just like empty out poop in barrels and then drive out of the city. Some of it will be used for fertilizers, but most of it is just dumped somewhere, either in a lake Ugh, or a river. Yeah. And it's not hard to see why that's not good for public health. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. gallons and gallons of waste into see, our this rivers. Is, I, I recognize perhaps the, the population density is slightly different, but this seems like a real yeah. missed opportunity to have learned from indigenous people like what do you do with your waste in a way that is not detrimental to the environment here's the thing throughout the history of america and indeed like most of the colonized world like it's just a bunch of white people ignoring what the indigenous people were doing and be like no we got this figured out you don't need to help us actually let me actively remove you from our existence and then a lot of terrible things like same thing with like wildfire control burn is something that indigenous population are very well aware of and it's like yeah we need to like periodically burn the undergrowth otherwise (laughs) terrible things could happen but no this is a whole theme we could talk about this i'm glad you brought it up because they definitely did something because this is an issue that they also had too but we didn't so let's skim over some historical context we're not going to go too deep into this because it's not the point but it's good to get some background right so you can break down the history of sewage and plumbing in america into three phases first phase is no plumbing which is what we just described people dump their stuff into a pit Uh, night soil men would come and empty it manually and dump the waste anywhere else it was not practical to convert it all to fertilizer only like 20 or 30 percent was converted to fertilizers so they just dumped it terrible this is not good and then we entered the second phase which is plumbing but it's just pipes like there's no filtration there's no treatment it was just pipes bringing water in and pipes bringing waste out essentially they replaced the manual aspect of getting rid of waste but the overall the result is the same which is the waste goes into a river or goes into a lake or goes into another bigger pit outside of the city and eventually basic filtration was done for the intake of water but nothing was done with the wastewater for a very long time and this is very bad where do you think people get their water from like drinking water and stuff back in those days um maybe they had wells Maybe. Wells is definitely popular. Local water sources also, which is where then they then dumped the <laughs> exactly it was why it's back so bad. in. So, right. Yeah. You know, sometimes people will be smart about, okay, if we're going to dump stuff in the water, we'll do it downstream and we'll get our own water to drink upstream. But somebody else is downstream from you and somebody yes. is upstream from you usually. <laughs> And so, you know, that was um, it was a risky time to draw water from risky time. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of cities and even today get their water from groundwater, which is essentially kind of what wells did. But they eventually made a way that was like more efficient than just having a a well. But like it's groundwaters, which means if you dump it just willy nilly, you're going to contaminate your groundwater sources. You're going to contaminate your wells. It is very bad for the environment, and I cannot stress this enough. All the fish died. <laughs> There's algae booms, uh, blooms, and it's terrible. And eventually people figured out that uh, you can't do this. And then modern plumbing came in, which is in the 50s and 70s. EPA was established in the 70s, and then the Clean Water Act in 72, Safe Drinking Water Act in 74. Basically, they realized, 
hey, we probably shouldn't just dump this straight into the river. <laughs> it's probably really bad. So uh, they decided to treat the water before it enters the lakes and rivers or whatever they're dumping it, which is essentially how we got to what we are today. Sewage treatment facilities, today's standards. Yeah, and I actually... So my bachelor's degree is in biology, and I went to university in a more rural area. And so we got to do things that we might not have been able to do in other institutions. And so tell us, uh, we actually got to tour in our, um, don't remember if it was medical microbiology or one, one of my microbio classes. We got to go to the water treatment plant in Ellensburg, Washington. And we got to learn all about how they, you know, bring the water in, the the testing that they do, the filtering, all this kind of stuff. And then we were standing next to this like giant pile of what looked like dirt. <laughs> and, you know, we're talking about different things and like how things are filtered out, et cetera. And this huge pile of dirt and air quotes for the people who are listening um, was actually what had been like the solids that had been strained out and like decontaminated. And then they take it. And use it for fertilizer and different things, which was just really cool to see like how things actually were working because that's my jam. That is your jam. And it is truly, if you've never been to a water treatment facility, which I, I believe is most of us, <laughs> it's truly like a massive feat of engineering, like how they pulled it off. Like millions upon millions of gallons of wastewater every day needs to be treated because usually everything concentrates into one treatment facility and it's truly impressive how they get it done. And it's important because otherwise we'll just be dumping waste into our ecosystem. And that is bad for both the animals involved and also the people involved because of contamination. So it's time for everyone's favorite segment. Cass makes an educated (laughs) guess where our one and only contestant Cass makes an educated guess on a question. Cass, are you ready for this week's two questions? Oh, yes. Yes, I am. MJ, bring it on. Okay. What infectious disease that is mainly spread via the fecal oral route has killed the most humans in all of history? Oh, man. Okay. Um, I think I know this. Again, like stretching back to my undergrad and doing medical microbiology. I think mm. it is Shigella. Ooh, very close. No, not Shigella. It is not Shigella. It is. Is it cholera? It is cholera. It is the okay. other. I was going to go like those were the two. But so the reason I went with Shigella is because cholera, like everybody knows cholera because of the Jon Snow and the, you know, take the handle yeah, yeah, off yeah, the yeah. pump, that was the one. whatever, well pumped, blah, blah, blah. I was like, that's a little too obvious. And I know Shigella has killed so <laughs> So it still continues to kill a lot of people, particularly kids. So I went with Shigella. I was gonna say Shigella or cholera. <laughs> that was a cop out. You have to, but pick I one. thought that would be cheating because I said two instead yeah, of one. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, you're right. Shigella does kill a lot of people. I think cholera wins by sheer volume. But uh, Shigella, it is is a serious disease. And cholera is also today, to this day, they're both like sure, killing yeah. a lot of people oh, to this yes. day. But cholera wins because of how easy it spreads. It's very easy to spread cholera. Also kills very quickly without the right treatment. And it is a historical disease. So the other reason I was thinking Shigella as opposed to cholera, and maybe I just don't know this fact about cholera, but I know Shigella can be spread via food also. Um, and so I don't know if cholera can. Cholera can spread. It's fecal oral. So cholera can contaminate food sources. But the reason why cholera spreads so much faster is because it contaminates water yes, very yes, easily. It loves and water to, is invisible. It loves to, it loves to uh, wade. wade in the water. Okay. <laughs> uh, second question. This is a true or false question. Do the sewage from toilets and other stuff and sinks drain to the same sewage as rainwater? I think that's a trick question. I think it depends. 
You're correct. It is a trick question. It does <laughs> I was depend. I going to say, wait a minute, because I know some places, rainwater, like storm drains, go right out to the water, and some places they don't. So that you told me it was true or false. That was a trick question. It was a trick question. Oh, I can't make it too easy. So you're correct. Uh, and that is the main point of this episode. There are two and a half types of sewage system in this country. And I think- I didn't know there was a half, okay. In general too, around the world. The reason why I say two and a half, because the half is not really a system. So about 20% of Americans have septic tanks or equivalent. It's not a system in a way that people need to empty the tanks, just like how people, the nice soil men would come and empty. So 20% of America still has septic tanks. And you would think that's gross, but it's actually not that bad. The only issue is that you need to empty it periodically, but it works. The septic tanks completely work. They're like a totally legitimate way of like dealing with waste water the only issue is that again you need to hire someone to empty it otherwise it's real bad you get backups Um, and they are typically in areas where they're out of reach from traditional sewage systems so typically more rural areas the two main types of sewage system like you said one of them is the combined sewage system where the wastewater and the storm drain goes to the same place Uh, They're mostly built in the Midwest and Northeast. They are the older of the two types. So that's why you see them in areas where it's the older parts of America, like the Northeast and the Midwest. It is not the majority, but it still serves hundreds of municipalities and millions, multiple millions of people. Uh, There's a number that's like 40 million. It seems to be a common number that floats around. It's not the majority, but it is still there. New York has the largest one of of such these systems. So my understanding is that these are sort of older versions of sewer systems because if it rains a whole lot, yes. then you have potential overflow or backup or other issues. And so I think the reason they're concentrated in some of these areas is because that's those were some of our earlier places where we were developing. And then as we moved south and west, we moved away and had separate systems. Yes, that is good foreshadowing because that is exactly the issue that we'll be talking about today. The other type of system is the separate sanitary sewers or just sanitary sewers. And like the name, the wastewater goes to a separate place than the storm drain. They're like two separate pipes, essentially two separate series of pipes. The issue here is that because most of them, although maybe not all of them, I'm I don't know for certain, but most of them, the storm drains go right out to the water sources. So if something gets contaminated, like let's say in my neighborhood, right, the storm drains go out to the water and there's all these things that say like, don't dump, don't Do whatever. Do not dump, yeah. <laughs> like let's say there was a crash on my street and some toxic things spilled out everywhere and ran into the sewer, that would go right out into the water. So there's... Yeah, antifreeze or whatever. So there are some potential challenges with that sort of system with regard to environmental exposures too. Yes. Because they are separate, it's not just rainwater that ends up there. Trash. That's a potential issue when you build them separately because sometimes not rainwater ends up there and they go straight into the ocean and the rivers. Yes, trash. And potentially worse is people just dumping stuff illegally. Like, I don't know why they would do chemical reactions. Oh, maybe like for drugs or whatever. They do a lot of chemical reactions in their backyard and they just dump it down the drain and it goes straight into the ocean. So there's issues with both of them. Don't know if I've talked about previously that there's a little creek that sort of runs in my neighborhood. How big is this creek? It's Spa Creek. It's a big creek that sort of gets skinny and it actually feeds into the Chesapeake Bay down in in Annapolis at the water. And people regularly dump in the creek, not just sometimes from our neighborhood. So it's it's set up really nicely so that it is very hard to get a vehicle, for example, like back up to the creek. But the other day I was running or walking. I don't remember. I mean, I saw it multiple times, but somebody had clearly tried to get around this 
and they had tried to like get back into the creek and then they got their car stuck. Aww. And they, no, uh-huh. no, uh, like, that was a sarcastic those one. Those were trying to dump. Yeah. But you could see like they had torn up all the grass and everything because they were like trying to get back and dump. So anyway, it's not just about sewers, which is obviously important, but like people just dump stuff all over the place, which is also just a larger problem. People can suck sometimes. Also, what are they dumping? I don't know. Things that they don't want to pay or they don't want somebody to see them dumping, right? I guess. You can take things to the dump or to the landfill and like get things taken care of, but you would have to pay. And, you know, there's cameras and stuff like they might see you see your license plate associated (laughs) with putting something in the landfill that's dangerous or illegal or whatever. So anyway. Yeah. So there's issues with both of them. But today we're going to be focused on the issue with combined sewers, which is doing low flow. If there's no rain or even just a little bit of rain, things are fine. All the sewers go to the sewer treatment facilities. They treat the water and then they release it into the wild. But when it rains more then the system can handle, which is happening more and more often now because of things to climate change with storms and whatever and tropical hurricanes we get what's called the combined sewage overflow which is a huge problem if you're in the sewage industry basically if there's a lot of rain the pipe that goes to the sewage treatment facility only has a certain number of like levels of so when you have your input which is combined sewage and rainwater that is above what the output can handle that has to go somewhere else and that goes into the overflow which goes straight into the bay or wherever the sewage gets dumps before it gets a chance to be processed due to the high volume of stormwater. And that is not good for all the reasons that we mentioned before where they just released wastewater into the wild. Like we're still doing this now every time it uh, rains or storms in New York City. New York City has the largest combined sewer system in America. And after a hurricane, it smells quite literally. The streets smell after a hurricane because this wastewater got overflowed and backed up into where things normally they shouldn't be. Did I tell you a couple of weeks ago, a sewage pipe had cracked 300,000 gallons of sewage dumped into Spa Creek before they were able to get it shut off and rerouted and everything. But it took at least a week before the smell started to go down. The thing that it got me think. So first of all, I'm showing sort of first world privilege a little bit right with with sort of complaining about the smell. But what it made me think about was there are still places today in the world where people have to deal with how do you handle raw sewage and what what is it contaminating and what smells are you being exposed to, et cetera? Like this is a current problem for a lot of people. And I had to experience it for 10 days or whatever. And I was like, this, I couldn't imagine doing that all the time. So just acknowledging like we're talking about a developed system having problems, but there are a lot of places that don't even have these systems. Yeah. We take a lot of things for granted and plumbing is definitely one of them. And uh, this is not good. Like this happens thousands of times a year and increasing thanks to climate change bringing like storms and whatever releasing billions of gallons of untreated or undertreated wastewater into our water system everywhere and that is not good for both contamination reason and environmental reasons a lot of people don't think about this but maybe you should contaminated seafood like if you get your seafood near the coast like whether it's in a bay or whatever if you don't get your seafood like from deep ocean hey like wastewater is contaminating your seafood you might get like seafood that is anyway but you get my point it's not good for the environment it's not good for the people and depending on the estimates it's really hard to track these things down but estimates are saying like thousands of cases of gi illness links to combined sewage overflow there is like a tangible impact from this that is not just like a theoretical whatever wastewater is just in the environment no like people get sick from this every year i don't know if 
this was a result of the heavy storm that we had, I guess, almost two weeks ago at this point. But you maybe saw that there was a cryptosporidium. Yes, from Druid Park. Yes, in the water in Baltimore. And some places do a better job of like real-time water quality testing. Yeah, and some places don't. <laughs> and some places don't. So like by the time people had been alerted that there was a cryptosporidium... They probably already drank the water. <laughs> it was like 10 days later. Even sort of aside from these overflow issues or, or what else, like there are lots of problems with not just the water, but testing the water, communicating that information back out to people. Everybody needs to keep an eye on if you get water quality alerts. If you get them, please pay attention if to them. If you get them. <laughs> That's another good segue to uh, the final point that we're going to wrap up with. But before we get there, we focus on combined sewers, but even in places that have separate sanitary sewers, they are still in trouble, right? Because they also could have overflowed due to infiltrations. The pipes don't last forever, like you said, in your neighborhood where it does seem like you do have a separate sewers. But the pipe cracked and they don't last forever. And other common issue is still at play, like blockages can still happen. Infrastructure breakdown can still happen. So even though combined sewage overflow is like a huge infrastructure issue that the EPA is aware of, and it's like near the top of their list for things to address, just because you have separate sewers doesn't mean you're like off the hook. Like you still have a lot of these same issues that plague all types of sewer systems. Yeah, I think this is um, such an important point that you just sort of ended on in terms of infrastructure, because we did a lot of investment in infrastructure and development in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And then we essentially were like, great, we're done. We don't have to worry about infrastructure anymore. <laughs> That's exactly but like, what happened. Yeah. Our roads are crumbling. Our bridges are falling apart. Our pipes are cracking. Our you know, water has lead in it um, because nobody thought, hey, maybe we should like circle back to our infrastructure, make sure that it's still sustainable, particularly with our population growth. But I think this is just one more reminder for everybody that all of these infrastructure pieces that we pay for through our taxes, it's important that we're prioritizing how we spend those dollars for the improvement of infrastructure to improve public health. Yeah, this is, like you said, a very important, critical infrastructure problem. We have a very old and outdated infrastructure system, the sewage being one of them. The EPA is aware of this. And for the last two decades, I've been trying to address this problem with some success. But it obviously takes a lot of investment, a lot of money, a lot of time to like totally address this issue. And what we're going to wrap on is that over the last few decades, there has been just a conscious effort to not invest in these public goods and these public structures. And the idea is always like, well, it costs too much money, which is a terrible argument because the longer you don't address it, it's just going to keep costing more and more money, right? It's kind of like the the wound is still small now. You might as well do something about it now than 10 years later when the wound is now like a gaping gash and you're like hemorrhaging money. It's something that I think we should be paying more attention about because one day it might fail catastrophically. And when that happens, who knows how much money we need to spend, both about fixing it and also addressing the people that are influenced or impacted by the catastrophic failure. Yeah. You know, where does the poop go? Uh, <laughs> eventually it might go nowhere because the infrastructure failed. So that's something you need to think about. <laughs> oh, that's depressing. That is depressing. So, you know, I, I don't, it is what it is. It is what I don't want to get too political, but come if on. If you were depressed by the potential that our sewage system might fail catastrophically at some point, yeah. make sure you are taking a critical look at what your elected officials support or don't support and how they have voted on infrastructure bills and make sure that your elected officials' perspectives on that topic align with yours. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health. If you like the show, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. This is the best thing that you can do to help us tell everyone how awesome and critical public health is. New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Please leave us a rating and a review. It helps the show immensely. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or think we missed an important perspective, please reach out to us at everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. You can find me on threads at CassPhD. Please follow us on Instagram, threads, and Mastodon, all at everythingispublichealth. We may be on Blue Sky Social in the future, but that is still up in the air. We are no longer using Twitter. If you want to support the show directly, we have a Patreon page, which also acts as our website. Follow us there for all major updates and bonus material. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health. 